Wilson Cochran here, one of the pastors of Indian Northwest. Really excited um, about this summer series we're kicking off, the Holy Spirit and our new nature. From now until the second week of September, we'll be going through Romans 12 and 13 in two verse chunks or three verse chunks. But in this first message, I talk about what it means we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. This is a key to living a victorious, free Christian life, and I hope you enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everybody. Open with me to Galatians 5, if you have your Bible with you. Galatians 5. These two verses will be on the screen behind me, but give, I just want to give you a second. You're going to want to underline, highlight, circle, everything. These were, Recently, I was, at, I was with a friend, and he was marking his Bible, and he didn't know, but he thought it was a highlighter. It was a permanent marker. And he, like, underlined a verse so much that it underlined about, like, 20 pages of verses behind it. But okay, Galatians 5, 16 and uh, 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I'm going to read those again. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This summer, we're going to go through Romans 12 and 13. And it's, we're going to be from next week through like September. We're just going to be churning through those like two verses at a time. And what we want to highlight is the difference between the Holy Spirit being on us and the Holy Spirit being in us. We talk a ton about what it means that the Holy Spirit is on us. And the Holy Spirit, Bill Johnson says it this way, the Holy Spirit comes on you for others, but the Holy Spirit is in you for you. So the Holy Spirit comes on you to bless people around you. Last, uh, last night, our church trained the Oxford Vineyard on an evangelism uh, program called Healing on the Streets. A lot of you guys know about Healing on the Streets. And during the training, two of the people in the training's um, backs were healed, their legs grew out. Out on the street, two people gave their lives to Jesus. Another person's plantar fasciitis, like the pain left their foot as we prayed for them. And that was an example of the Holy Spirit on people doing something. Power being released, the Holy Spirit was on us, on the team members, and bang, things happened in other people's life, healing, and uh, God's presence came. But actually, one of our greatest weapons and one of, our, um, one of the secrets to living a strong, fulfilled, victorious Christian life is learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit in you. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people. In the Old Covenant, God's presence, the, the Spirit of God would come onto people. But in the New Covenant, He has come and take up, taken permanent residence inside of us. He paid a high price to get inside for a reason. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Um, in the morning, when I get up, I like sneak out of my room so quietly, trying not to, I don't really care about waking up my wife. It's my daughter that I'm trying to keep asleep. 
I sneak out. She's asleep. I'm like, yes, I make it. Five minutes later, I hear two little feet scurrying out into the hallway, hair in her face. She looks like the character from The Ring, you know? She's just like wandering. And at that point in my morning, it might as well be the character from The Ring. Because I'm like trying to get my time with the Lord, trying to start my day alone. And Haya just comes right out into the, into the living room. And I think this is such a great illustration of what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. You see, Haya is wanting to stay in step with her daddy. She's wanting to be where I am. She's wanting to do the same thing as me. And there's like this connection we have, like she's only two. She's so interconnected and so interdependent and dependent on Jen and I that just me getting out of bed, she figures out, okay, something's up. Where's dad at? I'm gonna find him. I wanna, I wanna be in step with him. She realizes there's an active partnership that she has to participate in to be around me. And see, this is the beauty of the new covenant. We are actually, we have the ability, we have the drive, we have the desire. It's our default to wanna be in step with the spirit. We wanna be in alignment. We wanna be running with him. You think of it this way. Um, my uh, brother-in-law got engaged uh, like a week ago. And you guys wanna cheer? Come on now. He might be on Facebook Live or something. He's gonna see all you guys don't even care. Um, <laughs> He gets engaged and then on Friday night, so he gets engaged a week ago on Friday night, Jen and I are on our way down to a Reds game and he calls me and we're talking. He says, hey bro, I just wanted to ask if you'd be one of the groomsmen at my wedding. I'm like, oh, of course. So yeah, I'm so excited to do that, thanks. And then I said, who else are you asking to be in the wedding? And he tells me and he lists off my other two brother-in-laws. So his younger sisters, uh, or his older sister and his younger sister's husbands. And I'm like, okay, cool, awesome. So then the next day I see one of them. I see my uh, brother-in-law, Orlando. And I'm like, hey bro, have you talked to Jay lately? And he said, no, but I have a voicemail from him. And in that moment, I realized Orlando is not in step with Jay right now, okay? There's something that I know, there's something that Jay knows that Orlando doesn't know yet. Orlando listens to the, listens to the voicemail and Jay asks him to be his best man. And it was like this sweet moment where I got to see, okay, there's a small little gap here right now in the understanding and the awareness and what's going on. It didn't, it didn't change the fact that Jay had decided that Orlando was gonna be his best man. It wasn't like when Orlando heard it, it became true. It was true before that, but it took Orlando hearing it for him to live in it. You see, the Christian life is about us accepting, believing, and receiving what Jesus has already done at the cross, and then choosing we're gonna live in alignment with what he did. Listen to what it says in Romans um, chapter eight. These verses are, or no, Romans six. These verses are amazing. This isn't gonna be up behind me or anything, so if you wanna write this down, Romans 6, 17, and 18, okay? Romans 6, 17, and 18, it says this. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, everyone say once. You who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Everyone say heart. To the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. You guys, we were once slaves of sin. When you accept Jesus, when you receive Jesus, when you go into union with him, 
your sin nature totally dies. That sinful you that has been in existence since you were born is done. It's dead. It's done away with. And all of a sudden, you now, from your heart, okay, from your heart, you're a new creation. You're a brand new person. You don't have a sinful nature anymore. There's not a war going on at the core of your being between um, God and darkness. You are light. I'm sure that pops tons of different questions in your head. I'm going to get into some of those. But we have to start by just saying yes to that. Yes, Lord, I'm just going to agree with what your word says. No matter my experience, if you say I'm dead to sin, if you say I'm a child of light, if you say once I was a slave to sin, but now I'm a slave to righteousness, I just have to say yes to that. I have to surrender to that. Greater, there's no greater arrogance than disagreeing with the word of God. Elevating your experience over what the word of God says about you. That's, the, that's greater arrogance than saying, like we think that it's humility to be like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Or man, I'm just, you know, I'm broken, but God, God be the glory. Thank you, Lord, that you're good and you're the only good thing about me. Who's ever said something like that? I have, right? And it sounds kind of cute, but it really just belongs in Hallmark cards because it's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say The Bible doesn't say that you're a broken, kind of like bandaged zombie that God, you know, did like extreme makeover edition on and, you know, gave you plastic surgery and kind of fixed you up and, you know, like um, made you look nice so that you could get get along with other people. That's not what the gospel message is. The gospel message is you were killed. God didn't want to fix the old you. He killed the old you totally dead. And it's hard for us to get that in our head because our natural mind didn't experience a literal death. Okay. We didn't ever like in the middle of our day, we didn't, when when you accepted Jesus, you didn't all of a sudden just get like hit a reset button in your conscious mind and in your natural body. But spiritually, that's actually what happened. And now we can live from that place. We need to set our mind there and say, okay, my experience isn't necessarily lining up with this. So I'm, I'm not going to, when our experience, when there's a gap between our experience and what the Bible says, that's an invitation to go deeper. That's an invitation to vulnerability with people around you and say, hey man, um, I sinned. I sinned. I don't, I, I'm not sure really exactly why. Can you help me with this? Can you process this with me? Because I know that's not the real me. I know that's not who I actually am. I'm not going to make my, the definition of who I am an action I committed. But you see, this is the constant message being sent at us. Yesterday morning, I was at a 5K that, I'm just going to talk about my family a lot today, okay, that my father-in-law organized. It's called Honoring Our Heroes, and it's a, it's a race for um, honoring veterans. And at the end of it, they have a little kids race where all the kids like two and under get to run and then all the kids five and between two and five get to do a race. And it's just, you know, like 20 yard dash or whatever. But something kind of funny that struck me, um, all the kids are getting in line with the cones. They're getting in line to run. And one of the kids is, you know, standing like a full foot in front of it. And he's two, okay? Like obviously he's going to stand a foot in front of it. He's two years old. But the, the dude, I almost called him a name, but the guy that's on the microphone, like telling everyone, ready, set, go, whatever. He's like, all right, we have a cheater. There's one cheater right here. He's out in front of the cone. You guys, we got a cheater. You got to And he was, you know, like 
Definitely not a dad, okay? Because all the dads there just want to be like, but he was just, you know, messing around and he's just calling the kid a cheater. The kid probably didn't even hear it, no big deal. If you're here today, guy that called the kid a cheater, I forgive you. But he was giving that kid an identity based off of his actions. He didn't say this kid is cheating. Or he's, he didn't say that this kid is doing something he shouldn't do. He made it a noun. He described the kid's nature, who he was as a person by his action. We're, we all are guilty of doing this to ourselves. And what we're doing to us, we're actually, um, we're, we're listening to the accuser channel, as Steve Backlund would say. Because what the devil wants you to do is to replace Jesus's experience with your experience and then create an identity for you out of that. He wants you to look at what's happening around you and to say, man, I'm messed up, I'm broken. I can't believe I did that. When really, when we sin, it's an invitation to see that journey we're on, to see that gap between what I'm living in and what Jesus paid for. And repentance doesn't look like, Lord, I'm so sorry for that bad thing I did. Repentance looks like, God, I can't believe that I didn't live up to the image you said I could. Will you give me another chance to live like that? Will you give me another chance to um, live in my true identity as a patient person? as a person that, um, tr that, it, that doesn't get angry and doesn't like cut my wife off or that doesn't lose my temper or whatever. Every time we sin, it's an invitation towards God, not to look deeper at our sin, to examine our sin more. There's a, there's a really um, important dynamic that's, that Paul is describing in Galatians 5 relating to... Um, the word the flesh. And I'm just gonna say this as just a disclaimer. The word, the, the, the word flesh in the New Testament is used so many different ways. It's a word that Paul uses at different times to describe different things. Sometimes when Paul says the word flesh, what he's describing is just the general weak nature of humanity. It's not implicitly sinful. It's not implicitly broken, but it's just saying like, um, oh, you're just flesh and blood. You know, like, you can, you, you, you can break, you can blah, blah, blah. It's not, a, it's not a nature statement. It's more like, okay, weak. But other times, and most of the time, when Paul refers to the flesh, what he's referring to is our sinful nature. The broken, the, okay, not ours, because none of us who have accepted Jesus have a sinful nature, okay? But he's talking about the nature you were born with that is broken, that is sinful, that is corrupted. And listen to what he says in uh, Galatians 5, through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Pop quiz, is crucifixion a method of, um, what's it, what is the point of crucifixion? To kill, right? To kill something. It's, it's a method of making something not alive. Your sinful nature was crucified. You don't have a flesh anymore. You don't have a broken, sinful person within you. There's not like a fight between good and evil going on at the core of who you are any longer. 
Your new nature is infused with the Holy Spirit. It's righteous and it desires God. A couple years ago, my dad bought some tomato plants and before he planted them in his garden, he set them in the, the, uh, our screened-in porch. And imagine that this side of the stage is the screen. This side of the stage is a wall that adjoins with the, uh, with the garage. Set all the, set all the tomato plants in there along this wall, and they're all just laying there droopy and just whatever, you know, just like plants. Comes out in the morning, and guess what has happened to all of the plants? All of them, every single one, is no longer droopy just randomly. They're all leaning in the direction of where the light was coming. They didn't, there wasn't like a, they didn't try overnight. My dad didn't come out and like lean them all over. Okay, you guys all, you know. No, it was natural for them to just lean towards the light. It was just, it was just their default was, oh, I'm gonna lean towards the light because they're tomato plants. And that's what tomato plants do. When you're righteous, when you're a new creation, it's just natural. You just lean towards the light. It doesn't mean you can't have experiences of darkness or you can't have experiences of not leaning towards the light, but it doesn't change your identity. If one of those plants came out and wasn't leaning towards the light, my dad wouldn't be like, oh, I guess this is a cucumber plant. This must be, you know, a watermelon. No, he would have looked at it and figured out what was wrong and he would have helped it point. And then naturally when it got adjusted, when it had that little adjustment that it needed to make, when the sun came the next morning, it naturally would have pointed towards the light. It naturally would have just been going that direction. This is what it means to be righteous. It means at the core of who you are, you're drawn towards the light. Weren't those powerful lyrics we sung? You are the light, so I am the light. I am made in your image. You are the light, so I am the light. I am made in your image. The Christian life is no longer about a battle to, to um, be good. You are good. Jesus made you good by his death and resurrection. And when you receive that, you, you become righteous. You become a brand new creation. What the Christian life is, it's a journey. We go through spiritual warfare. We go through um, our own past and we just tweak our heart. We just lean our heart in directions that make us live towards the light. We figure out the wounds, we figure out the lies we've believed and all of a sudden, man, I'm more and more leaning towards the light every day. That's one of the reasons that community is so important. It's one of the reasons that having people in your life that can speak in to your actions and your behaviors and point out your blind spots and that you're willing to be vulnerable and open with can speak in and help you make those little heart nuances, help you lean towards the light. That's why it says in um, Romans 6, 17, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Obedient from the heart. You're obedient from something, from your nature, from who you are. That's where the obedience flows. You're not obedient from your willpower or from your, you know, gritting your teeth and just making it along and I'm gonna resist and resist and resist. Now the obedience and our righteous nature, it flows from who are, from our very heart, from who we are at a core level. See, we, we don't have the ability to change our nature. We can't change that deep part of who we are that, that is just intrinsic to us. But Jesus can, and Jesus did. And now we can change the way we think. 
You see, it's like you have an identity, okay? Your identity is a fixed thing. It's determined by God. Now, your beliefs about your identity will really greatly influence your behavior. If you believe that your identity is a sinner, then don't be surprised if your life is constantly popping up with sin in it. Because why wouldn't you produce the fruit that you believe your identity is? When I was in high school, I really wanted to be tough. I really wanted to be like a tough guy and like fight people and stuff. And I didn't have it in me to actually do it. I had Luke around who was bigger and stronger than me. They could kind of like back me up, but I still, it just wasn't in me to really do that. I tried, I tried to make an identity for myself out of something, but I, I couldn't cause it wasn't really me. And so your identity isn't, it, but do you see how my identity was corrupted by what I believed about myself? what I wanted to be, what I thought, rather than what God says. There's three places that I, okay, let's go to Romans 6, verses 10 and 11. Romans 6, 10 and 11 says this, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, okay? Jesus died for sin once, forever. What this is saying is that to the extent Jesus died for sin is to the extent that sin's power is disarmed. It's like if everyone in this room left the room, you would be, this is gonna be really crazy and revelatory, okay? Out of this room. <laughs> if everyone right now stood up and walked out of the room, you would no longer be in the room. That is how dead to sin we are. To the extent that Jesus died, is to the extent that we are dead to that old sinful nature. Now, if you guys were all in the hallway and you started yelling, I would be able to hear you. It wouldn't be like you no longer have any power or influence, but it'd just be that your actual life, your ability to actually influence is gone because you're not here anymore. Does that make sense? I could still hear you, okay? And that's what, that's what the renewal of the mind process is is us identifying where are the places that I still hear the voice of sin? It's not a part of me anymore, but I'm still hearing that voice. You know what, just close your eyes right now. I think people are being set free from that voice. So I say, so Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I just, um, just say this, repeat this after me if you want to. Say, right now, I disagree with that voice. I identify you as a voice that's not from me. and I'm not agreeing with you anymore. So right now in Jesus' name, I just break that familiar voice of death and sin and I just say, be free right now. I just pray grace on your mind and your heart to be able to identify when you're listening to the accuser, when you're listening to the voice of sin. All right, Romans 6, 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is just re-emphasizing his point here. Um, that word consider, it's actually a mathematical term. It's like an accounting term. It's like if I said, consider that one plus one equals two. 
I'm not inviting you to challenge my math, you know? I'm not like saying like, do you get the same math as me? One plus one equals two? No, I'm telling you like, consider, believe, um, count this as true, count it as true. Paul is telling us, count yourselves as dead to sin. No matter your experience, you can live from a place of victory. You can live from a place of I'm dead to sin. How do I take my next step forward? Let's go to Romans 8 now, um, verses 8 and 9. Can I have my water bottle? Thanks. Romans 8, 8 and 9. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So what this tells us is, it's not our actions and our behavior that pleases God. That's not, the, that's not the thing that God's looking at to say like, do I approve or not of this person? All he's looking at is, are they in my son or not? If you're in my son, I'm pleased with you. Because God's love isn't fickle and isn't dependent on where we're at in our journey. God's love is at, is at the end of our journey, calling us, drawing us, pulling us towards himself. And saying, I love you, you can, I know you messed up there, but it's okay, that doesn't change my love for you. That doesn't change my pleasure in you. This is a hard one to receive, right? We're just so, we get so um, wrapped up in a mentality of like, was that a pleasing action or not? You know what that's called? Religion. When we look at our actions and our behaviors to determine our worth and our value and how much God loves us, what we're falling into is a religious mindset. And religious mindsets actually cut us off from the very life flow of God. Religious mindsets exist to replace the Holy Spirit's place in our life. Instead of leaning on the Spirit, instead of keeping this up with the Spirit, we try and keep in step with our behaviors and our willpower and our ability to perform. And as soon as we do that, we're actually cutting ourselves off from a flow of grace in our life. We're cutting ourselves off from the very power that helps us live victoriously, that helps us live in a way that um, honors God. Religion wants to undermine trust in God. Religion wants us to trust ourself and look to ourself rather than look to Jesus and the cross and what he did. That second verse um, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Then this big circle, this word, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. See, there's a competition. You can be, there, you can be in the spirit or in the flesh. That competition ends when you accept Jesus. You can't do both. You can't be in sin and in Christ. You can sin, okay? You can still mess up and sin. Adam and Eve sinned. When God created them, he said, look, they're very good. He said, they're great. But guess what they did? They still sinned. So having a new nature, being righteous, doesn't keep us from our free will and our ability to still choose. But what it does is it says, it's not your identity anymore. It's not who you are. It's not living from within you. Um, sometimes I just start talking and I forget where I was going. And I try and just toss in the last couple of things. That's what I just did there. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, 
So we're not in the flesh. Everyone say, I am not in the flesh. I am in the spirit. Is anyone excited about that? If you're excited, just stand up. Who's excited they're in the spirit and they're not in the flesh? Thank you, Jesus. We're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. Lord, we want to live from that place. Right now, God, just pour out your grace on us to live in the spirit, not in the flesh. Thank you that it's a lie that we're in the flesh, that the sinful nature is having something over us. Right now, I just set you free from the law of sin and death. I, I just declare Jesus' victory over you. You are free from sin and death. You are a new creation. Lord, let this land, let this land on our hearts. Just stay in a, pl stay in a place of um, receiving from the Lord. I'm, I'm just going to pray a little bit more and we're going to end. But um, Lord, let that just, let that sink and let that permeate. I think some of you guys need to put your hand on your head just as a prophetic act that you want this to get into your head, that you're not a slave to sin. Some of you should put your hands on your ears because it's more about what you're listening to and what you're hearing that's leading you down this path. Come, Lord, right now, just let your power flow. In Jesus' name, let your power flow over us. You are as dead to sin as Jesus died on the cross. That is how dead you are. Just keep receiving. You are as dead to sin as Jesus died on the cross. That is how dead you are. You are as alive to God as Jesus physically walked out of the grave. He walked out of the grave. That's how alive to God you are. I just receive, the, I, just, I just pray that life will be poured out on this room right now so we can live righteous, so the fruit of the Spirit can just shoot out of us effortlessly. Keep receiving. God's doing something right now. I just want to end by saying this, that something happened at creation where we fell, okay? Or after, at creation, we were created good. Then after that, we fell, and then Jesus came and made it all right. This week, when you're wondering, how does Wilson's message make sense? How do I live this out? How do I be a new creature? I just want you to return your brain to three events. Say, God, what was it like at creation? Wasn't humanity very good? You said humanity was very good. And then take yourself, oh, at the fall, something got distorted, something got messed up. But thank you, Jesus, for coming and setting it all right. Just, those are the three anchors for us throughout our week. What, what, what was it like at creation? What was it like at the fall? And then what happened when Jesus rose from the dead and we accepted him and became new creation? So right now, Father, let this um, permeate our hearts. Right now, I'd just be healing over people's physical bodies as they, as their, 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 um, their spiritual sickness, the spiritual lies they've been leaving have been afflicting their bodies. Right now, in Jesus' name, I say be healed. Skin conditions, I think you're just being healed right now. In Jesus' name, um, Father, we just, we agree with what your word says about us over our experience. In Jesus' name, amen.